Great start as usual, talking about bloody emoji flags. Of course. <laughs> we get into today's episode about Norway. Let's start off. Where is Norway? Where is Norway? Norway is uh, located in Northern Europe in the area known as Scandinavia. It borders Sweden primarily and shares a northern border with Finland, in which they share a mountain called Hauti, and it even wraps around enough over the top of Finland to share a border with um, Russia, which then gives it access across the, the northern part to the, the Barents Sea. Did you just say it has a northern border with Finland? Yeah. But Finland's on its southern side. And it has a border with... Do you mean Finland's on its southern Which side? Which is on its right-hand side. Are you looking Surely at the... it would have a southern... Yeah, I'm looking at the picture. Yeah. Surely, Norway... Norway's southern border with Finland... I, I, I technically suppose if you're being like that, yeah, but I just meant like it's in the north part of the country, and it? Oh, I see. Oh. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. I said it was in the north. I was seeing it from like the south, the southern side of the border. Yeah, 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 I see what you mean now. And it's a west, it's an eastern border with um Russia, I guess. Because essentially, the way I would describe the shape of Norway is... It's kind of like a hook that goes, it wraps up and around Sweden to Russia. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard spoon, spoon-like before, spoon-shaped. Yeah, I've heard this as well. But that doesn't give it, uh, give justice to its curvature nature. I suppose not. No. <laughs> but yeah, so... So essentially, Norway steals all of the um, ocean from Sweden and Finland. Yeah, in the Norwegian Sea and then the Barents Sea. Yeah. I wonder why it's called the Norwegian Sea. Um, Because because the Norwegians have claimed it. Because because literally everything, Norway has the entire border. Hmm. So it's like... Is there any particular reason why Finland hasn't tried to take that little top part? Um, well, I mean, what would they do in it? Like to start a war with Norway? Originally, um, Finland, for a long time, Finland was part of Russia and was subservient to Russia, so that would be a lot of it. They had the mountain they share, Mount Holti. Um, the peak of it is actually in. Norway, but a lot of the mountain is within Finland, and for the the one hundredth um year um anniversary of fin of Finland, so like Finland's one hundredth birthday, they was gonna give the top of the mountain back to them. There's like a big movement in Norway to give the top of the mountain to Finland for their birthday, and then um right when it came down to it. The, uh, the Prime Minister of Norway ended up saying that it's in the con- Norway's constitution. It says that the Kingdom of Norway is undivisible. So they could not give the top of the mountain back. Undivisible or indivisible? Indivisible, I'm very sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, so they essentially Norway's stolen all of the sea from its um, Nordic and Scandinavian neighbours. Um, I guess I take Norwegian sea must come from Norway. Yeah. Where does Norway come from? Sorry, like the name Norway. Oh, the name Norway. Um, so. <laughs> I seen it and it apparently it comes from old English and it just means uh north way or the way leading to the north. Uh, so it's actually not like that exciting when you think about it. It's like, oh yeah. I was gonna say sounds about right. I was expecting greatness. <laughs> Cause it sounds pretty cool like Norway, doesn't it? And you're like, oh yeah, it's yeah. just it's just up north. It's just what some stupid like upper class rich British person went it's the bit up the north yeah at least it wasn't like the <laughs> the, the finance minister or something else somewhere yeah to be fair <laughs> at least it wasn't Seychelles uh. <laughs> but I guess I, I think I'd have preferred Seychelles to Norway Northway yeah that's lazy. It's lazy. They are pretty north, though. So the capital of Norway is Oslo, which is located in the southeast of Norway. All right, so we're in the warm part. Yeah, the warmer part, yeah. <laughs> it was founded in 1050 by King Harald Hodrada, who we spoke about okay. before, haven't we? I was going to say, this has uh, Hastings vibes to it. Yes, he is the fella, the Viking, that um, came to fight Harold Godwinson at the Battle of Stamford Bridge. And then was defeated and yeah. ended the Viking era. Did he also have something to do with Iceland? Uh, I mean, Iceland would have been within his province, I guess. Within, under his control, but he personally didn't go down. Fair play. It was going to be one of those two. It was either going to be the Hastings or the Iceland, because that's the only two things we talked about with Norway. Yeah. But Iceland was Denmark, wasn't it? They escaped from. I mean, it was founded by the bloke that left, um, that was kicked out of Norway for murder, wasn't it? Yeah. But then it was under Denmark's rule. But Denmark and Sweden and Norway have all like taken over each other like many times and it's like an England-France relationship. They're always at war with each other and taking over each other. And Oh, really? I just thought they'd be best of friends. No, nah, well, they are nowadays, but they were all under one rule. The Kalmar Union at one point encompassed all of these countries. The Kingdom of, like, Denmark and Norway and things like that. So it's always been a contentious issue. One of them's always been in charge, but they're friends nowadays. You can't make Norway contentious. We have to do a show where it's not contentious. <laughs> and if any of them are not going to be contentious, Norway is not going to be contentious. Oh, the home of the Vikings? The the home of... Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, Vikings, I guess, technically, uh, people will say they started in Denmark, but it, it really did kick off in Norway as well. This whole, like, Scandinavian yeah. area is very much Viking... Um, heritage. So, so we that can talk way. about some of the Vikings if you want from from Norway. I'm sure we can. Have you got a section about it? <laughs> well, like I couldn't. 
I couldn't bring a couldn't do an episode about Norway without actually talking about the Vikings at least once. Go on then. Give me a give me a good story about a Viking. Since my girlfriend's been playing so much Assassin's Creed Valhalla as well. So Oh is she? Yeah. Basically non stop, so been seeing a lot of these old Vikings, don't they? Kind of give us give us a good Viking story. I can tell you the story of Lagertha, if you would like. Okay. Do you know of Lagertha? Not at all. Uh, she was uh, like a Viking warrior queen. Um, okay. Yeah. She was... She's famous because she was like... What we. She's one of the ones that we sort of um, think that... Sort of prove that shield maidens were a thing and that... Um, that like women were allowed to fight and be Vikings. Okay, so the Vikings were more progressive than the U.S. and U.K. army circa nineteen seventy. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, it wasn't like super common, but like we do have some evidence to suggest it, and the tales of Lagertha are definitely one of them. Although. Lagertha is heavily mythologized because of this, as she is like Viking warrior queen lady. So, and a lot of her myths yeah. will get um conflated with uh, got a goddess called Thorgard, who is very popular in the area. But we do have some stuff that we can kind of glean from it. A lot of the Viking Age, to be fair, is heavily mythologized because, like we said in Iceland. They didn't write much down. It was the people afterwards that wrote stuff about them. So the Christians, the writings, yeah, the writings we do have are from Saxo, who is a 13th century historian in Denmark. He wrote the Gesta Denorium. So it's quite a bit after, because I guess the Gurfa's time would have been like eighth century, late eighth century, and this has been written in the 13th century. So fair play. What did what did look look what's her name? Lagertha do? Uh so some of the stories we have from Lagertha was we have the one where she um got married to Ragnar and how she met Ragnar and he's a very famous Viking. So the king of Norway was killed by the king of Sweden, Fro. And to further humiliate the king of Norway, Fro put all of um the women of the Norwegian king's house into brothels. Right. Yeah. So, like, he defeated them and made all of the women go into brothels and stuff. Like, Seems lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, Nor- the Norwegian king's grandson, who was Ragnar Lothbrok, he heard of this atrocity and was enraged and headed to Norway to avenge his grandfather. When he arrived to liberate Nor- Norway, all the women that had been made to work in brothels put on men's clothing and joined Ragnar in the battle. Nice. So one one of the women that fought especially hard really impressed Ragnar and he wanted to marry her, and that was Lagertha. Hey, I was seriously... Wait, whoa, hang on. So when it says... The women of the household, do we mean family? Not necessarily. 
I'm going to say, because that sounds like... Yes, I thought this too when I did the, the research into it. Okay. But like, it turns out Nagurtha is a noble woman, but she's never expressly stated to be related to the king of Norway. But it's never said that she isn't? Um, If, if we look through here... I know what we say about throwing out wild aspersions, but... Ragnar sounds incestuous. It's not unheard of to do that within the um, ancient medieval periods. Like, look at the Habsburg. I don't know who they are, but you... the Habsburgs are infamous for marrying off their children into all the religious, all the royal families all over Europe, and that's how they got their name and became a very powerful family during the medieval period to the late. Fair enough. Late early modern period. So um. What they um would tend to what you tend to see is this prominent chin due to all the inbreeding and it's called the Habsburg chin and you will see it in a lot of like uh paintings of like kings and queens because of how inbred they all was. I've got the Habsburg drawn for some look at it quick. Oh I see. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. But dirty. Well, I can tell she was the daughter of, like, a noble mum. Okay, so she was essentially, like, a family friend. I would have... That's what I've gleaned from it. They, like I say, they never expressly say in these things. Yeah. So it's, it's very difficult. So there's no evidence, really, for her being related by blood, but... It could have happened. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Right, so she, but she didn't really want to marry um, Ragnar, but she still like toyed with the idea, and it's just, <laughs> the way the way the guy writes it is like she was just kind of leading him on in that. <laughs> it's just it's just funny to read that in a in a thirteenth century text, but yeah. Uh, but she decides, she decides, she does decide to sort of, um, toy with the idea as Ragnar is like, son of the king of Denmark, so he's very important. Um, she invited him to her home, um, to which obviously he was very excited, he was like, yes, I'm gonna get to marry the Gertha, to which she set a bear and a hound on him. What? Yeah, she just set these out like as a trap for him, basically. That's hilarious. So he's trying to get in with her. Yeah. And so she invites him round and tries to kill him. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> so which one killed him? Was it the bear or the hound? Wow, Ragnar stabbed the bear through the heart with a spear and choked the hound to death. Okay, no, 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 no. This is the mythology, isn't it? <laughs> There's no way that someone's stabbing a bear through the heart and choking a dog at the same time. Well, one after the other. You wouldn't get a chance. I'm sorry, if you get a bear and a dog, by the time you've stabbed that bear, the dog's biting your leg. Yeah. Or worse. And I don't imagine it's like... Uh, like a... Like a cocker spaniel or something. I imagine it's. <laughs> 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 I imagine it's a bit like 
<laughs> more than that, but maybe like a husky type deal. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like before you stabbed the bear, the dog would be on you. Mm. Well, he's a he's a no, sorry, famous no. Viking. Who I did this? I do not buy you. <laughs> I don't buy Ragnar. Yeah, take these stories with um, grains of salt. I'm taking them with an entire, like, I don't know what giant word for salt is. An entire shaker of salt. <laughs> an entire shaker of salt. Yeah. Hmm. So after this... What did you do after? Well, okay. after this, they did actually get married. I guess he proved his worth with that one. They had two daughters whose their names uh, re- re- remain unknown. Hang on. Hang on. So you're telling me he likes her. So. She's like a sick warrior Viking girl, and it? She's like, he's like, yeah, she's really cool. So he invites her around. Oh, so, no, so she invites him around. Yeah, they've been exchanging by letter. Tries to kill him with two animals. Mm-hmm. And then they get married. And then they get married. Right. <laughs> they have two daughters. That... There's now two shakers of salt. <laughs> <laughs> they had two daughters whose names remain unnamed. Uh, unknown. And then a son called Freilif. Ragnar then returned to Denmark, but he was mad at um what his wife did um for setting the the, the, the animals on him. He was not happy about that. So what did just... she? Did he not know? <laughs> and he divorced her <laughs> and fell in love with the daughter of the king of Sweden, Thora. Nah, this is <laughs> this is just like. So you're telling me, right? So, just to recap, he likes her. She invites him round. Yeah. She sets a bear and a hound on him. He kills yeah. the bear and the hound. Yeah. But he doesn't know that it was her. So then they get married, have three kids. Then he discovers that it was her and divorces her. And then goes and marries the Swedish king. Queen. I think he knew the whole time. He just said when he went back to Denmark, because this was in Norway. So when he went back to Denmark, he was kind of like, um... Actually, I don't like her. That was not cool. And divorces her. And then he just After falls in love with... three kids. <laughs> and then falls in love with the daughter of the King of Sweden. That's minimum 27 months. <laughs> yeah. So do you think it was because of their animals? Or do you think he he took a liking to the daughter of the King of Sweden first? For her. I think he looked at his life and thought, I can have three kids... Or I cannot. <laughs> yeah. And then brought up an old argument from years ago. Well, you set a dog and a, a bear on me, so. <laughs> yeah. You know how people hold on to things in an argument? Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, remember that time you tried to kill me? Yeah. <laughs> so he got married to her and had a lot of children before her. The most notable will be um, Sivard and Eva, who are very okay. famous. He later uh, fought a war and he needed help and reinforcements. Still in love with her ex-husband, Lagertha came to his aid. She brought 120 ships and fought in the war personally. On her return to Norway, she had an argument with her new husband, who was uh, supposedly over 
go into Ragnar's aid without his consent. So she killed him with a spear concealed in her dress. Saxo stated that the usurped she usurped the whole of his name and sovereignty, for this was the most presumptuous dame, for it was pleasanter to rule without a husband than to share the frame with him. Fair play, to be honest. And those are the, the two tales that we have written by Saxo on Ligertha. And uh, there's various other stories and myths attributed to her. Um, but they they have been conflated with the, the goddess Forgud. So it's hard to discern which right. is true and which isn't. But yeah, that is the Viking warrior queen Ligertha. I want to be there during... Um... Ligertha and Ragnar's marriage counselling. <laughs> I want to hear, like, I know I said bear and a hound on you, but it doesn't mean I don't love you. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> the marriage counselling just going, and Ragnar, when Ligertha did that, how did it make you feel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she killed her next then she killed her second husband <laughs> <laughs> but if we ever make a, a sketch show we have to include the marriage counselling of Vikings <laughs> of Ragnar and Ligertha but yeah she's she's definitely one of those uh, women in history that has sort of cemented that idea that um, you don't need no man yeah she don't need a man and she there were uh, women who would fight in battles and in war and that. And apparently she was very good and very accomplished at what she did as well. I don't doubt it. Enough to impress Ragnar Lothbrok, who... He's the guy that killed a bear and a hound. Yeah. At the same time, with his bare hands, by su- when they surprised him. <laughs> <laughs> we had a spear. He shoved a spear through the bear's heart. And he choked nah, the dog to death. no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. I want to see anyone in this world who can fight off a bear and a dog at the same time. Like, I can kind of get a bear if you're lucky. But a dog at the same time? No, no one's that lucky. Hmm. And then still goes free with a marriage. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is this is what I meant by a lot of the Viking tales. Yeah, it's difficult to discern which is which from them, but they're very interesting yeah. anyway. I enjoy them. Yeah, I, I will admit they are entertaining. Another story that we do know a lot about Scott, though, and we do know that did actually happen, was the race to the South Pole. Was this is this also entertaining? I mean, it, it sounds entertaining, the race to the South Pole. Yeah. I just thought, though, you don't like tales of, um, that aren't, that aren't very happy. So... Oh, is this, is this a not a happy tale? Uh, it depends who you are in a story, really. Why? Because is there, is there a, a second place? Well, it was a race to the South Pole, wasn't it? So... Yeah, so there must have been a second place. Yeah. So we had the Norwegians, led by Roald Amundsen, and we had the British, led by 
Robert Scott. Oh. <laughs> I just remembered. Did he... So it's literally called Rob Scott. Yeah, his name was Robert Scott. And he's Scott, English. Yeah. He, is our, he is our hero. I am officially calling him the mascot of Rob's map. No, the patron saint. The patron saint of Rob's map is Robert Scott. Because he was Occidental ombre to the core. Well, I mean... Anyways. Sorry, yeah? We'll see if you still want him to be the patron saint after the story. Oh, did he do bad things? <laughs> he didn't do bad things, no. Okay. Who won? Um, do you I'll want find to know? I'll find do out. you I'll want to tune in now, or do you want me to tell the story? No, no, no. tell me, tell me, tell me the entire story. So I think we'll start with the Norwegian, as this is the Norway episode, right? Mm-hmm. So Roald Amundsen was a Norwegian explorer born on July sixteenth, eighteen seventy-two, in Boye, Norway, which was then Christ Christianina, Christiania. How do you pronounce that? Christiania, yeah? Christiania. 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 Now it's called Boya, which, thank you. It's easier. Um, he wanted to be an explorer his whole his whole life. However, his mother wanted him to be a doctor, so he had to attend medical school. But after she died, he left medical school and then followed his dreams of becoming an explorer. What a way to honour the his de- his recently deceased mother's wishes. <laughs> well, he only went there to, to honour her wishes, and then she passed. And he, well, I, he mean, left. I mean, Jesus, he was he was he wasn't very good at medical school either. It is said that he oh, had fair. poor grades and low attention span, and wasn't very good at it anyway. So it's unlikely he would have made it to be a doctor anyway. But I don't think that's through lack of talent. I think that was just because that's not what he wanted. That wasn't his passion. Yeah, yeah. So he set out to be an explorer, and he wanted to make a name for himself by doing like the big things that people haven't done. And at that time, no one had found a way for the Northwest Passage, which is the area of sea around the Arctic, like past the North Pole, and it's a way to get a, it's a quicker ship route. To get from Asia to America by traveling through there. But no one had ever gone through there yet. No one had successfully done it. People had tried, people had died. That's a very good way of putting that. People tried, people died. He was, just, he was speculated to be able to do this in one season. However, he wanted to do more than just get through the passage while up there. He wanted to sail through and Shire, gather lots of scientific data find the new location of the magnetic north pole as the magnetic poles move don't they they move they switch don't they well they just move around as well they don't stay in the exact same place they kind of move about oh do they yeah it doesn't stay in the exact same place i think there's 11 poles as well different different types of poles but you've got the magnetic north and you have geographical north and you know something else and I think it's 11, because I don't think that's actually an even number. Oh, yeah, okay. The uh, magnetic north pole moves in loops of up to 50 miles, or 80 kilometers per day. But its actual location and average of all these distances is also moving 
around 25 miles a year. Yeah. So okay. someone had previously mapped that, and then he was like, I'm going to go find the new location of it. Because back then we didn't have all this data, so these were the men that was going out there and finding out like all the stuff that we know now. Yeah. So we wanted to sail through and chart it, so we wanted to map it all out. Mm-hmm. And also find the new North Pole. Yes. But this is the South Pole. Huh? This is the South Pole, though. Yeah, this is his backstory, Scott. Come on. This okay. is his origin story. We can't <laughs> we can't tell the story about his origin story because this is helpful to how we Oh don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> Jesus so... Christ, Rob. His origin <laughs> story. We're doing a a prequel. Yeah, we need the origin story. It's like every time you watch the Spider Man movie, you've got to watch him get bit by the spider or you gotta see Batman's parents. Literally how many times how many times has there been a new series produced where he gets bitten by a goddamn spider in a different goddamn way? <laughs> yeah. Every time we talk about Roald Amundsen, we have to go through the through the Northwest Passage every time. <laughs> I see. I see. Fine. So he went through the Northwest Passage. Yes, he did. Um, well, he was like halfway through it. He was up there, and because he was taking longer than normal to get through, because he was doing this extra stuff while he was up there. Obviously, winter hits, and the boat will get, um, the ship will get iced in. So he and his crew took ref- refuge on an island. The island was inhabited by Inuit people, and they were happy to take care of the crew. Actually, and they taught the Norwegians many tips and tricks on how to deal with like Arctic exploration. Oh, that's cute. And this is this is why we need the origin story, Scott, because this will be important later. Okay. So after he had returned from this successful expedition, he wanted to do another big thing. He was always trying to chase the next big event, the next big... Um, the place that no so one's wait, ever did been did he make before. it to the North Pole? He didn't make it to the North Pole, he just mapped out the area. Right. Okay, so his okay. next mission was to go to the North Pole. He was like, right, now I've been through. I've been through the passage. I, I've learnt my tips and tricks from the Inuits. I can definitely make it to the North Pole. So we got a bunch of funding from that to go up there. But as he was preparing for it and got all the funding, an American explorer called Frederick Cook, who was an old friend of his, had actually just achieved this goal and hit the North Pole. Oh. So he oh, thought... Dear. Screw that. That's already been done. I'm going south. But he didn't tell anyone. Because <laughs> he didn't want anyone to know. Because he was just like, I'm going south. So. Oh, amazing. So he took all of the funding for his expedition to the North Pole. And just used that to go to the South Pole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was often in quite a lot of debt and stuff as well. Because these expeditions were very expensive. And it's hard to make the money back on them. So. Of course, yeah. He got all the funding for it. And he had done all the training with his men and that for the North Pole. And then was like, well, we're going south, boys. <laughs> but didn't retell anyone either. He just was like, I only need to know basis. Until he... Some yeah. of the crew actually didn't know until they got down there. They was like, wait, where are we going? He's like, we're going south, boys. <laughs> so he's just like tripled the time of the expedition without telling them. <laughs> yeah. And it's far more dangerous as well to go to the South Pole. Oh, is it? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to look at this up, but if you look at the North Pole, mostly it's just a sea. 
uh, with like little ice islands dotted around. All right. Uh, if you look at the Arctic, but Antarctica is an entire continent of ice. And it's huge. It's like bigger than Australia, bigger than Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's pure yeah. just ice desert as well. There's nothing there. Like, it's basically just yeah, a desert. Yeah, I see this. I do see this now. That's a lot of ice. I can't it even is. see the North North Pole on Google Maps. It's not even showing it. If you go on Google Images, you'll find it. But you'll see that the Arctic is very much just a small little, like, it's a sea mainly with little ice islands, like an ice archipelago. Whereas the South Pole's on a middle of a desolate continent. Yeah, I can see what you mean, yeah. They're quite different beasts to tackle, aren't they? Both are incredibly difficult to get to, but they're quite different beasts to tackle, aren't they? Yeah. It's like, isn't there a whole thing about you can't do any um, like archaeological digs in the Antarctic? Uh, the Antarctic's like heavily regulated. Like no countries actually can have any claim over it. Although some people do have claims over Antarctica, which are not really supposed to, and they're not internationally recognised. And it's supposed to just be purely for scientific research. We're not supposed to live there or build houses or anything like that. I mean, you can't really live there. It's too, it's too, it's too cold and it's too harsh an environment. But like, there's generally scientists there doing research. Yeah. It's very. I really like the idea of Antarctica. It's kind of like a scary, almost like forbidden place, but it's also like that last place on Earth that humans haven't ruined. I mean, have we not ruined it? The ice caps are melting. Yeah, I suppose there's that. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, but we haven't like made a mess. I like there. how we did. We just had the exact same exchange in reverse. I said that the middle of the rainforest hasn't been wrecked by humans, and you were like, uh, "Yes, it has." <laughs> and then you've just said. You've just said that Antarctica hasn't been ruined by humans, and uh, yes, it has. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Everywhere's been every... ruined by humans. I know. There's even rubbish on the moon. Like, Yeah. What, I, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a rocket that's just going to put a single plastic bottle on the moon. Mate, there's already bags of poo on the moon. Oh, did they leave it there, did they? Yeah, they when they left the moon, they have to um to be able to like get enough um uh, to get the lunar module to actually leave the moon. They need to like, have as least weight as possible. So anything that's not entirely one hundred percent essential needs to go, which means all their excrement needs to be left on the moon, and even their boots and stuff like that. Sometimes you'd think they would just sort of like throw it hard enough that it gets away and just like goes into the sun. You can't get from it. Oh, no, the moon still has gravity. Like, yeah, but it's one sixth the strength. Yeah, but to throw it out of it is is quite hard. Well, I don't know. I reckon. I reckon I could do it. But yeah, they just leave it all on the moon, so there is kind of just like rubbish and poo and boots up there. <laughs> <laughs> rubbish and poo and boots. <laughs> 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 yeah. What were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about the race to the South Pole and how it's um, more dangerous than the North Pole. Yeah. So he's gone on a more dangerous exhibition without telling half of his crew that they're going on a more dangerous exhibition. He sounds yeah. lovely. 
Nah, he's chasing that glory, Scott. He's a true explorer. So Roald Amundsen sets sail for the South Pole. But meanwhile, in England, there was a man named Robert Falcon Scott. He was born June 6th, 1868, Plymouth, England. And he too wanted to get to the South Pole. So, this began the race to the South Pole. Who was going to get there, Roald Amundsen or Robert Scott? Whose team are you on? Well, I know the full story, Scott, so... Okay, I'm going to place my bet. Based on the fact it says the date's there, the 17th of January 1912. (laughs) Don't look at the dates in the image. (laughs) That's going to spoil it for you. I think I might already know know the answer. Yeah, so that there is a little map for you, Scott, to see the the different routes they took. Because they did actually take different routes left at slightly different times and had slightly different preparations. But were they were they actually doing the journey in overlapping times? Yeah. But it says so Scott started his journey on the seventeenth of January. The uh after, Oh 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 okay. No 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 no. That at the bottom is the South Pole. They, they didn't they start you yeah, but they got there within a month of each other. Yeah. Nice. Alright, anyways, let's go back. So, um, Scott. So, whose who story should we take first? Because they both have... I guess we'll continue with the Norwegian storyline, because we were doing this first anyway. Well, what were you just saying? You were just saying about how Scott wanted to also set off. Scott off, set off to the, to the South Pole. Um... He was a accomplished naval officer and had done other expeditions before. So he had the back end to go there. Amundsen and his party originally took off on September the 11th, but it was too early and they had to turn back because um, the weather wasn't warm enough yet because you can only go at very certain times. Uh, he lost some good dogs on that attempt and some men got frostbite. He did this to to try beat the British there, but he was criticised for doing this. So, he goes on to his next attempt, where he only brings five men this time, who are uh, obviously himself, Rod Amazon, Halmer Hansen, who was part of the Norwe- Northwest Passage Crew, Olav Bjarland, and Oscar Wisting, and Severe Hassel. I probably mispronounced all of them, but you know. I was going to say, this is pronunciation game again. Oh, no. They set out from the Bay of Wales on the October 20th, 1911. His route was far more direct than Scott's, who set out from Ross Island on November 1st, 1911. Oh, so like within, within two weeks of each other, really? Yeah, 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 because you've only got a short window to go. You've, you've got to go over the summer, basically, as as you would imagine. You've got to go when it's warmest. You have to go over the summer, and you do have a very short window in which you need to be doing this. Fair enough. So, which Scott knew because of he had spent a long time analysing the weather patterns of the area, of the area and had, uh, had analysed what the temperature on average would be then. And by his calculations today, he was very accurate as well. Okay. 
he planned for the coldest it to possibly get would be minus 15. Okay. Which, you know, sounds really quite cold, doesn't it? But Was that centigrade or Fahrenheit? Celsius. Jeez. But yeah, minus 15 is the, is the coldest it is supposed to get during that season. Okay. Bit of foreshadowing there, Scott. Yeah, well... So Amundsen's uh, route was a lot more direct and uh, 96 kilometers shorter than Scott's. However, it was unmapped at the time, whereas Scott was taking a route that was a lot more familiar and had previously been mapped out by another English explorer named Ernest Shackleton, who had got within, uh, I think it was within 170 kilometers of the South Pole when he first mapped it. Okay. So we've got the two different approaches here. Um, Scott had brought many scientists, he brought some Siberian ponies, he brought only a few dogs, and brought motorized sledges, which ended up not working there. Oh, really? So he brought all this machinery and it just didn't work? Yeah, and the ponies weren't very good either. Ponies? They were Siberian ponies, but they wasn't the the best. Wait, do you mean Siberian or Serbian? I mean Siberian, Scott. Because <laughs> this time we are talking about the cold place. <laughs> cool. There are ponies in Siberia. Oh, Sorry, we're getting distracted. Tangent with Scott. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going. Although I am going to look up Google Images for Siberian ponies because that's bloody awesome. But keep going. But yeah... So, because the, cause the ponies weren't working very well and the sledges didn't work, he he relied mainly on manpower to haul all this heavy scientific equipment, stating it would be more glorious if they did it on their own backs, which I can kind of get the idea of, like, hey, we, we got there ourselves type deal. Whereas yeah. Amundsen's approach was to have only a few men that were all navigators and explorers, his goal was just to get to the pole and back. It wasn't to do all the scientific data. So they only really carried with them the essentials and food. They also had a lot of dogs like um, to take them there. I think they were Greenland dogs, which were a bit like Siberian Huskies. Good for um, traveling on, you know, sled dogs. And they yeah. all had skis. And specially designed skis, and they had all been practicing with skis up until this mission. Putting the training in. Yeah. So he would travel only about five to six hours per day and covered a lot of ground, whereas Scott would travel nine to ten hours a day and didn't travel as much ground as Amundsen. Well, I feel like I know who's going to win this, you know. I'm starting to see the different approaches and how. Starting to see the end of it. Yeah, I'm starting to see the different approaches and how it works. Yeah. So, as as you could imagine with all, with all this, um, Amundsen did arrive to the pole first. He arrived there on uh, December 14th, 1911. Coincidentally, is why we're doing this episode today, isn't it, Scott? That is correct. Because this is going to be... this. No, no, it's not going to be... This is uh, currently... The 14th of December. Yes, it is. Well, we're recording this right now in honour of yep. of Roald Amundsen. <laughs> yep, he is the 
Oh no, he is meant to be the. He's not the patron saint. The patron saint is Scott, isn't it? But no. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is. Uh, it was his great achievement that earned Norway the honor of being featured in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not that I love the country and want to go to live there or anything, but no, not at all. It was just him. I've just yeah. sent you a Snapchat of these uh, Siberian horses. Yeah, they are cute, aren't they? They're fluffy. <laughs> You've never seen a horse like that, have you? You're like, I've never seen a pony. No, like that. that's like they're, they're literally like they're fluffy. <laughs> yeah, like they look somewhere between a buffalo and a horse. They're like little short, stocky, fluffy ponies. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so, so. The Norwegians beat the British. Yes, they did. Great. They were kind of a bit devastated when they arrived there to see the Norwegian flag raised there because the Norwegian team had raised the flag, put a tent, which they called Polheim, and they left a letter for Scott and his crew. Oh, wow. Do we we know what the letter said? Um, I don't think it was a... Like, an, like a you got wrecked, kid. <laughs> I think it was more like a because the whole thing was handled very like gentlemanly between them. Because even before, like some of Scott's crew had like gone over and like seen some of Amundsen's crew. Like it was, it was like a gentleman's race to the the pole. You know, this is the age yeah, of yeah. Like, no, this is this is not possible. If this is if I'm reading this situation correct, it was just the note. The letter was just a picture of his dick <laughs> with a. No, it was a picture of his balls with the caption at the bottom stuck on D's. Uh, you can actually see the picture, because um, basically well, you can see oh, the really? picture of them at the South Pole. Um, Scott and his crew all took a picture at the South Pole um, to show that, like, they was upset they lost, but to show, like, our oh, job well done, like, they, they beat us fair and square type deal. So you That's can see funny. a bunch of men stood with the Norwegian flag. It's a very famous picture. Just type in Scott at the South Pole. Scott at the South Pole. Oh, yeah, okay. It's the one with the Norwegian the tent in the middle and the flag. Yep, I've got it. It's like four It's like four guys. Four guys, yeah. There's a tent. There's a tent a, with a Norwegian flag. And they're all just stood there looking quite disheartened at the last. Why, why is one of the related searches? What? Oh, apparently there's a... Oh, whoa! Oh, wow. Okay, so I think there's a extra ending to this, isn't there? Yep, I've just read the last bullet point. Okay. The the um, the related search of Robert's Falcon Scott dead um, now makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because... Well, let's go, let's go... Let's tell the story, so... This was obviously a glorious celebration for the Norwegians, and the British were disheartened to find out they lost when they had got there but this was kind of the only the the beginning of the troubles really it gets it gets worse from here so on the way back the crew struggled immensely with the extreme weather conditions scott's data which we said earlier was like very um accurate for the time and it said it'd be livable conditions of minus 15. However, this year was an anomaly. 
and and a what? Like this this year was like a as an outlier. Okay. It happens from time to time in Antarctica. Most of the time it will be this, but sometimes it's just like crazy and it's just like the weather wildly changes and it dropped to minus 40 instead. Right, Jesus. Imagine how cold that is because wow, they've been trekking since November 1st. They got there January 18th and now they got to make the walk back in minus 40 conditions. That's surely not possible. Wow, this is the thing, Scott. Edgar Evans died when they got to one of the first glaciers on the way back. Um, Many of them were getting frostbite and were exhausted. Lawrence Oates, who was injured and had a lot of frostbite, ended up sacrificing himself to save the crew as he was... He thought he was slowing them down because he had to keep, like, harrowing him and carrying him. So one night when he was in the tent, um, he said the famous quote, I'm just going outside, and it may be some time. And he just walked off into the blizzard to die. So the crew had Jesus. a chance to escape without him. Right. That's a very famous quote, and he's kind of a hero, really, isn't he? That's pretty, well, it's a martyr sort of thing. Yeah. Badass. However, on March 12th, 1912, Henry Howard, Edward Wilson, and Robert Scott died from exhaustion, starvation, dehydration, and frostbite in their tent. So how do we know the quote? Well, we found, like, diary entries of, um, Robert Scott, because people went along the trail. Ah, fair enough. Because he was, like, doing science and um, research, and he wrote in his diary constantly, so this is why, when we talk about the Vikings, we don't really know a lot about what's going on. This we do, because Amundsen and Scott would write in their diaries a lot, especially Scott. So when people went back afterwards, and that's how we found the picture of like them stood at the South Pole and that because of they've um, people have gone along the track and found all the stuff. Yeah. So it was a bit of a sad end, really, for them. For the for the British people, yeah. Yeah, Amundsen and his party they made it back safe and sound, and they rushed off to Tasmania as fast as they can to get worried that the British might have got back before them. So they can get the news out to the world. Oh, brilliant. So, what's to say that the British didn't make it first? Because oh, was it in their diaries as well? Scott writes in his diary that they didn't. He writes, he dates Fair it enough. in his diary and writes it down. But it's all well documented. Yeah. Fair enough. And there's the picture of them stood in front of the Norwegian flag, which I don't think they would just do for yeah. fun, would they? <laughs> so yeah. It wasn't very good. I think I think Amundsen definitely had the better plan. He was more streamlined. He had the better equipment for the job and was better planned. But it doesn't mean Scott couldn't have made it. It just was unfortunate, really, that like the weather just took an unexpected turn and no one could have predicted that. Yeah. So wait, what happened with um, Amundsen? Did he not get stuck in the same... Minus forty degree conditions. Nah, because he was in and out. Remember, he was he was done by, um, the fourteenth of December. He reached the South Pole, so he went straight back out. Whereas ah, Scott right. was done. He got there by the the eighteenth. So. Yeah. Yeah, he was in and out. Really, do you know what I mean? He I had a faster, quicker, more. 
more direct routes, and he had the dogs to get him in and out. So that was that was a two. He did go on a couple more adventures around the the Arctic and stuff, and eventually died on a search and rescue mission. So fair play, lived life. All exciting, but <laughs> all happy. I mean, all very happy. But hey. You know, it's just you know we're doing this uh, on this day to like honor those men, I guess. You know, remember them because they mm-hmm. made some important discoveries. They did some stuff that like was thought impossible. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. That's that. Right, flag. <laughs> I don't know. Have you got anything else to say about the story? Flag. <laughs> no flag. Did you like the story? It was a it was a very very enthralling story. I must admit, um, I would have expected the power of the British to have overcome those pesky Norwegians and enable us to win. But uh, yeah, they're cold boys, mate. That is true. They really had an advantage. But yeah, if you look on the map I showed you, they wasn't that far from making it back to Ross Island, really, were they? How do you mean? Oh yeah, jeez. It's got the dots of where everyone died on their way back. So yeah, on the route they took. Jeez. <laughs> That's also why they said you like we should make Robert Scott the patron saint of the podcast. I was like, um, <laughs> we can if you want, but he he died on the adventure, I suppose. Yeah. Hero's journey though. Yeah, I think actually, do you know what? That reaffirms my stance that he should be a patron saint. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it. Die for the, the furtherment of human knowledge and exploration. Well, no, because if he was doing that, he would have picked something that someone else wasn't already doing. He died trying to be first. He didn't pick someone else that someone else was doing. Like, he did. Just to, just to beat someone. It was just coincidence, remember, because um, Amundsen didn't tell anyone he was doing it. Oh, of course. Fair Scott play. was just doing it himself, and then Amundsen didn't tell anyone, and then he found out Scott was doing it. Because when they, when they found out they were both doing it, they did write to each other, and Amundsen did say to Scott, um, hey, like, I know you're going to South Park, I'm going to try it too, sort of thing. Right. So that's why it became a race. It wasn't necessarily just like designed as a race. The media span it as like the race to the South Pole as they would. Yeah, so Robert Scott is now patron saint of Rob's map. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because he was kind of making a map himself then, wasn't he? To be fair. That's... He was mapping up the South Pole. That's cheesy. <laughs> That's cheesy. <laughs> He was making his own Rob's map down there. Oh my god, it literally was. Oh no. Oh no. Oh dear. Hello, it's Rob again. And you probably know by now, but we have a Twitter where we talk about daily facts and flags. So if you just can't get enough of Rob's map, need a little bit extra, go ahead and check us out. The links to that are in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Scott, it's time for your favourite segment. It's time for our favourite segment. Mm-hmm. Arguably the best segment. There's no argument in it. It is the best segment of the podcast. Absolutely. 
the Norwegian flag is essentially, if you imagine a one by one flag with a blue cross, with a white cross around it and a red background, but then the right spoke of the cross has just been extended out twice as long as the others. That's the that's the Norwegian flag. It's just a weird square. It's not a it's not a one by one flag, is it? No. If you listen to my explanation, I said if you start with a one by one flag, put a blue cross and a white cross and a red field, then you take the right spoke of the cross and you extend it out twice as far. Then it is. Or do you want to explain it? Because you do a better job. The Norwegian flag is a red field with a white Nordic cross with a thinner blue Nordic cross inside it. When you say a Nordic cross, what do you mean? The Nordic cross is the cross that's like, uh, almost like a cross on its side. So, one of the what? the points on the... Imagine you've got like a normal cross, yeah? Yeah. You turn it sideways, so you turn it on its left-hand side. Oh, you mean like a Christian cross? Yeah. Right, That's okay. what that cross represents. It does represent uh, Christianity because all the Nordic nations became Christianized at some point. Oh, fair enough. I didn't know that. It is a symbol to denote the um, all the Nordic countries do because we talked about this with Iceland, didn't we? Mm. Uh, all the Nordic countries do it. And I bloody love a Nordic cross, Scott. And I bloody love this flag. Why do you like the Nordic cross so much? I think it's just a very nice cool design i like it's that whole thing we said about uh be distinctive or be related it's different from all the other countries in the world but it's related specifically to the nordic area and the colors that and the sort of like arrangement of the cross makes it specific to that country as well i believe yes i i i think it's such a good design i particularly like this one as well this has got to be one of my favorite flags why like what do you specifically like about this one what do the colours mean? It gets to a certain point where you are kind of like, um, you are just going off personal, like, aesthetic opinion. Mm. And I just like the way these colours look together. And obviously the, no, that design, point. like I said, we spoke enough about this Nordic cross, but all flags that have Nordic crosses are usually a plus in my book. <laughs> Fair enough. What do the colours actually mean? Well, it's supposedly... It's, his, it's it's the fusion of the nations that historically ruled over them. So the red and white is for that's Denmark weird. and the blue is for Sweden. Okay. That's a bit weird because that's usually you want to change who's ruled over you. Also, they've gone for the red, white and blue to symbolise their freedom as well as a nation from um, the way that America use it and France use it. Really? That's That's also quite interesting. So, yeah. Because now they're like, because they was in like a union with all these Denmark and Sweden in the past, and all like I said, all the countries have been intertwined and ruled each other at one point, and they have a good friendly relationship now. So it talks about that history, but it also shows they are of their free own nation as well with the red, white, and blue. But like this has been used in a very different way, though, hasn't it? Has it? Well, it's not just a, just not just a tricolor, is it? So. Hey, we've got this historical reference, and it also references our future as well. It's our past and future in a in a flag. All I'm saying is, I don't think it can be. I don't think it can be um, like ten out of ten marks with such a basic element as red, white, and blue for freedom. 
Uh, it's riffing off the... My, my thoughts on folk design have changed. I've actually learned more about it, and it's not just me saying wild things. Okay. Are you are you saying that you now need to reevaluate past flags? <laughs> Do we need another bonus episode where we go through all the flags we've talked about so far with your new opinions? Your now fully formed opinions. Okay, we'll have yeah. that as a cut conversation next Before time. Before then, it was just me being like, oh, I guess I like this because of that. And now I've learned more about flag design and history. I'm a bit more versed in it. That's fine. We'll do it as a as a cut conversation. Yeah. But uh, also, look at this. You've seen this cool thing you can do with the Norwegian flag? There's secret hidden flags within the Norwegian flag. Was that by design? No, it's just a coincidence. But have a look. If you scroll down in the notes, I have an image of this. And we will put this in the sh- in the show notes for people to see. Because it's just a cool little thing that people do with the Norwegian flag. But by squaring off very, certain very cool. s- certain sections of the Norwegian flag, you can make other flags out of it. Like Indonesia and Poland. Finland, France, Finland. the Netherlands and Thailand. Finland's the more... Um... That's a bit of a stretch, that one, isn't it? <laughs> but... Well, it's not just—it's not really a stretch. It's more just like interesting because that doesn't use any red. No, all it the others use red, all the same colours. But they managed to take just the cross and cut it out, and then that's Finland. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. Finland's cross is a typical Nordic cross, so it's thinner and like more to the left than that. But you know, you're just playing around and having fun with it. It does actually—it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, that is very very cool. Does he get bonus points in your eyes for that? Um, sure, it can have 0.3 bonus points. So, Scott, is this flag a pass? Well, Rob, we still haven't talked about the more the most important part of the flag. The emoji test. The emoji test. Which, to be fair, we have already judged the emoji for Norway's flag. Yeah. But I'll just send it to you anyway. I'm pretty sure that it was a very clear pass. Oh, for sure. I am biased to that Nordic cross designer. I just really like it. Really? I, I haven't noticed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just love it. I think it's so... For me, it's the perfect of be distinct and be unique. It's the perfect one. Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree. That is... I will say... That very clearly passes the emoji test. It is iconic. Very good. Yeah. You can see what it is from a mile away. Good. Good meaning. This is probably the best flag that we have rated so far. Oh, for sure. It could be the best flag we're ever going to rate. It might It might not get any better. But this is the key part. Rob, what would you change about Norway's flag? Nothing I love it is beautiful. Nothing you love it is beautiful. Hmm. What would I change? Hmm. Yeah, I'm stuck. There's nothing... i tell you what um, I would do. Yeah. Uh, there is... What I would do. So, I would add an extra... You know how they've got the... That's sort of like the vertical line. Uh-huh. The vertical blue line. I'd move that along a bit to the left. 
and then add two more on there. Whoa, no, 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 no. You can't. Do you know why? Why? Because then it ties in with the one of my favourite bands' logos called Frightened Rabbit. So you're going to change all the history, all the culture, all the meaning behind these flags because you're a band you like. <laughs> oh, I'm sending you, I've just sent you a picture of the Frightened Rabbit logo, or one of them. Oh, I think that that causes a different meaning. Does it? I think That so. is what I think should be on everything. I think that causes a different meaning. Yeah, I really can't. I can't really see anything that is like standout-ish that I would. I would say to change. Yeah, that is a pass. That is the best one we've done so far. And when we eventually that do is... our tier list, it could be the winning flag. Well, I mean, the idea of the tier list is that there's no winner. There's just like a top level. Yeah. But it would. It would. I imagine it will be S tier. But we can't say until we put all of the flags. Onto the tables. All our ducks in a row. Yeah. So, if we're talking about politics, I feel like the first thing to mention is yeah. oil. Um, so, yeah, it's because it's quite an interesting thing because it's not what you'd expect. Um, because if I'm right. So, this goes back to the Geneva Convention, doesn't it? Yes. Because um, in from the Geneva Convention, Norway got allocated a certain sort of amount of sea, amount of ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that within that amount of ocean, there was a um, a mega butt-ton of oil. Because that's how <laughs> like, quite a small country became quite rich and quite sort of wealthy, is because they their main export was oil, which was, of course, like it's black gold, isn't it? It's like it's um, quite a good thing to have, yes. but it does pose an interesting sort of juxtaposition in the nation because their main export is oil, but they're also an incredibly environmentally friendly, economical, like very very environmental nation, and generally speaking, a very left wing or what we would call left wing country. Yes, they are, they are. Do they even have a right-wing political party? They do. They do have um, conservative parties and right-wing parties. What I mean is, what I mean is, like, are they, like, properly right-wing? Or are they, like, (laughs) (laughs) centre-left? Kind of, yeah. I'm sure they got some outliers out there that are... Do you reckon? Yeah, I'm sure that, that every country's got their mad parties, don't they? That are just like way out there. But yeah, for the most part, yeah. they are fairly, fairly left wing for sure. Some are more than others. What's the sort of main political parties? Well, we'll talk about the oil a bit more if you want before we go into Fair. that, because there's a lot of interesting stuff you can talk about the oil. As you said, like they um they they have a lot of oil, but. They themselves are run ninety eight percent on hydroelectricity power. Yeah, so this is what I mean by they're incredibly energy efficient. And if I'm right, if I'm right, with the exception of Hong Kong, they have like some of the most expensive prices for petrol. 
Yes, they do. They do. This all leads into um, a few government incentives that they have running. So first of all, with the oil, they use um, that is used for just primarily selling. They sell it, and what they do with all the money is they put it into a. They call it. It's got a specific name. What's it called? Statoil. No, Statoil is a publicly owned company that deals with all of their oil. So none of the oil is owned by private companies. It's all owned by the government. That money then gets put into a sovereign wealth fund. It's one of the, This is the largest sovereign wealth fund in the world, even beating out China. And what that is is an investment for the country and its people. That's pretty cool. And all that money, all the profits from it, because they use it to invest in other companies as well that are not within Norway, external companies. All profits from that company, the Sovereign Wealth Fund, are then put into public care programs and education, like healthcare, uh, housing, things like that. It's also put into subsidised the industry of electric cars. Now, you say the price of uh, gas is really high there. No, 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 no. The price of petrol. We are not Sorry. American. Yeah, we're right, actually. Uh, tell me off for that. I don't like using Americanisms. <laughs> the price of petrol <laughs> is very high there. That's uh, because they use, uh, have a big incentive to use electric cars. Now, there's a lot of benefits you get for having an electric car in Norway. Okay. So have they led to any particular electric vehicles becoming like super popular? A certain electric vehicle has become very popular, Scott. You ever heard of Tesla? I might have heard of him, you know. <laughs> yeah, Teslas are everywhere in Norway. Uh it has Oslo has the most Tesla of anywhere in the world. Because it has over 2,000 electric car charging stations around Oslo. They are all completely free to use. What? Yeah. You don't have to... You don't have to pay for electric for your electric car? No, you have to have free charging stations all over the, the city. Ooh. That's interesting, you know. There are other incentives as well. So you get free parking, you can get income tax deductions, you don't have to pay road tax, no registration fees. Companies don't have to pay sales tax on electric cars, which is why Tesla sells so many there. Uh, you can go in and out of Oslo without paying the toll. You have access to the HOV lane, which is way less traffic. And these are all these bonuses you get for having an electric car. And all the stuff that would cost money due to this is then propped up by that sovereign wealth fund we were talking about. That's so interesting. Mm. So that's why they're so prevalent there. It's very it's very very eco friendly. I guess like they're using their their fossil fuels and their guess dirty energy to invest in clean energy. But do you reckon it outweighs it? Well, they don't use it themselves. They sell it to other nations. But this isn't lost on the Norwegian people, by the way. They they completely understand the irony of this. And like, but, you know, these other countries like... are going to use and need oil either way, aren't they? And Norway might as well not use oil itself, but use the money from it to make it cleaner, I guess. Fair enough. 
What's something else they do for the environment? Um, deforestation is banned. Well, this is something they could learn. We should send the uh, their government to Brazil and show them how it was done. Mm. Like you can cut down some trees on a small scale with permission, but for the most part, it is it is banned. But yeah, essentially, it just it just goes to them being an incredibly green, incredibly environmental place. Yeah, very forward-thinking, very progressive. How does their actual political system work? Uh, it's kind of similar to ours in some ways. So Norway is a kingdom under King Harold, King Harold the Fifth, but it's also a parliamentary representative, uh, democratic constitutional monarchy. In the same way that we have with our queen. So, we have a queen, don't we, and a royal family, but for the most part, we're actually a democratic a republic, aren't we, for the most part? Essentially. Do you reckon they have the same um, the same tourism industry for their monarchs that we have? Uh, I would doubt it. Queen Elizabeth's a bit more, a bit more popular, isn't she? I know know the Americans quite like our royal family, don't they? Yeah. But maybe the Russians like their royal family. (laughs) They're not allied with the Russians. Are they not? No. (laughs) No. Oh, fair enough. Who are their sort of, who are their buddies then? Who would like their monarchy? Well, you've got all the Nordic and Scandinavian countries are their friends. Um... Uh, England like them Scotland do, they have a good relationship with Scotland they actually give them a Christmas treat every year Oh, wait, Scotland do? No, Norway gives Scotland a Christmas treat every year That's adorable Mm-hmm Why? Uh, they're just like historically like good friends and allies they've got a lot of Viking history and stuff that together That's sweet So Um so yeah, it's just those are the main sort of friends. So they probably don't make as much of an industry from the sort of monarchy that we make, which is ha. But no, um, but you know they have all that oil, so <laughs> they have got they've got way more oil than us. So their their political system is is it quite similar in terms of just because they've got a parliament, or is it like or. Or it's like the voting the same, the branches are the same. So yeah, structurally it's quite it's quite similar. Uh, okay. They have like they have a prime prime minister and all that. Um, like they like their king has more like ceremonial sort of powers, and it's kind of like our queen does. It's very similar in that aspect, and most of the politics is done via parliament, like it is here. Is the parliament set into a house of lords and house of parliament? No, we have we have the a thing called the Storting, which is basically just like their main parliament and national assembly type deal. Right, but that's not split into sub like, subcommittees and whatnot. No, it? it's not split into House of Lords, House of Commons, like it is here. Yes. Yeah, so they have the Storting, which is the their parliament. So the executive power is exercised by the Council of State, which is the cabinet led by the Prime Minister of Norway. The legislation is vested in both the government and the legislature. The legislature? What did you say? Legislature. Legislature. And the sorting are elected by a uh, multi-party uh, system. 
the judiciary is independent of the executive branch and the legislative branch. Well, that's good. At least they've got the justice system is separate. So that seems to be like a, a key thing for sort of fair, non-dictatory situations. Or... You need to have your judiciary system separate because of if you don't, then the government can decide the laws and the like. If the government does something wrong, then they can be the ones in charge of telling themselves off, which is not good. While Norway's actually been voted the number one most democratic country in the entire world. Pretty pretty good title, to be honest. Hmm. Starting to see why I like this place, Scott. Mm. See why I want to maybe live in Norway. <laughs> I feel like you just want to live in a Nordic country. I do, I love it. And then they got like, we've got incentives for like, to be eco-friendly. Mm. But to be fair, even with all those incentives, neither you or me could afford a Tesla. Oh, no, 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 no. Tesla's like over 50 grand, mate. Uh, I don't think, I think there's one that's not. They're a bit cheaper, well, I would say they're a bit cheaper in Norway because the companies don't have to pay sales tax. But then Norway's a very expensive country to live in. So it probably yeah. isn't any cheaper, to be fair. It's very expensive to live there. Um, I'm just going at the price of the cheapest Tesla. Because they're one of these countries, again, that's very highly taxed, and products serve a lot of... Um, very expensive there, because of, like... They invest a well, lot into social programs. Like, they're one of the highest-educated like... highest uh, workforces in the world as well. It's like we said... Um... A couple of episodes ago, the key to having good social programs is having high tax. Yeah. That's the long and short of it, is the more people are being taxed, the more it sort of flattens out the inequality. Yeah. It's everyone investing in everyone's future, isn't it? That's what it really is. Exactly. But because of the way that most tax systems work, where they tax the rich more than they tax the poor, and because of the tax breaks that the like below the poverty line um, people get, taxes generally close the gap. Like I moan about how much tax I pay because it's quite annoying, but I'm earning significant, well, not significantly, but a fair amount more than say my mum is. So I should I should pay more tax. Yeah, like, you get to a certain level of income as well where, like, you're still very well off, more well off than the person that isn't paying tax, even though you're paying a lot, do you know what I mean? Yeah, if you're on, like, I would say if you're on more than £60,000, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Like, with the, with the, um, sometimes I like looking at salary calculators just to see how much the other people... Sort of like how much people earn. Mm. Oh well, in Norway, all the all the everyone's income is actually public record. Do you know I'm so annoyed by this because do you remember I told you earlier that there was a um, a thing that I was going to completely throw you off with? Yeah. That was it. That was it, Scott. We both watched Tom Scott. Come on. <laughs> I didn't see it in Tom Scott. Oh yeah, it was Tom, Tom Scott did a video on it. I'm doing. Right, so I thought it was good when those things go. Well, like you've seen this video, and we're both like, yes, we both watch the same YouTube videos. 
<laughs> right, brace yourself for this, right? So a £60,000 yearly income. Guess how much that is per month. Where? Here or nowhere? Here. Okay, so I've got them for both. So monthly, in um, in terms of take-home pay in England or in Britain, you would get paid £3,620 per month. Yeah. And in Norway, the same amount you'd pay, you'd get £3,580.20. So it's an extra £100 or so a month in tax. Yeah, so it's a similar amount. Know, it's, isn't it, it? It's, it's an extra 40 quid. It's an extra 40 quid. Yeah. Which ain't bad. Yeah. Obviously, the cost of buying things and living in Norway is more expensive than England. Yeah. But then if you do fall under that sort of pay bracket, then there's more social programs that can help you back out of that hole. Yeah. Also, people in Norway um, work a lot less than we do here. Do they do the four-day week? They don't do the four-day week, but they don't need to work as much. They have a lot more working rights, too, and stuff like that. Don't have to work no. as much. No one, no one has to work like two jobs and stuff there. That's because of the social programs, isn't it? Like, yeah. Imagine if every single person earning over sixty thousand pounds in the UK put an extra forty pounds in the pot. <laughs> yeah, and that's because like there's stuff like that. The social, the sovereign wealth fund. The if we have, they haven't like. Mm. Given it to like Shell or BP or something to take all the private investment in the oil. They've got it to look after themselves. And they haven't just gone wild and wasted it all. They're saving it for the future. Yeah. Reinvesting in the population. Uh, yeah. They got a pretty robust, fair system. I like this one they have. They have no snap elections. Oh, really? That's quite cool. So, like, here we just like have a snap election when uh, the party loses confidence in the Prime Minister, don't they? Don't we? Yeah. And then we do it again. But there, they just have to resign and they'll just assign the next one in. That's good. So I don't think... I think snap elections do more harm than good in the long run, don't you? Well, yeah, I mean, do you remember Theresa May's one? Yeah, that was calculated, wasn't it? Yeah, but it went completely the wrong way. Well, no, she deserved that too. One day, I'm going to get you to say something nice about a conservative. (laughs) Good luck, mate. One day, it's going to happen. <laughs> Try to get me to say something nice about uh, a Labour member first. Then we'll work towards the Conservatives. Oh, what was he even talking about? He said no snap election. We've gone so off the rails. I know, man. This is you, Scott. <laughs> I forget to put <laughs> the... F- you, you wander off and then like lead me down the garden path with you. And I'm like, wait, Scott, we're lost, isn't it? You're like, oh, it's too late now, boy. We're in the woods. I'm like, but Scott, we're lost. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Should we just leave it there? Oh no, we've got one more thing to talk about. Yes, we do. It's the most important part. The most important part. we got to talk about <laughs> Sir Niels Olav. I think we should preface this by saying that he's well-respected. Mm-hmm. Um, member of the... What was he? He's a brigadier, isn't he? He's a brigadier general, member of the King's Guard. 
Um, uh, what was his sort of story? Why did he? Why did he become famous? Which wars did he serve in? <laughs> he hasn't served in any wars, Scott. Actually, really, that's interesting. Well, he hasn't served. Has been raised to such a high rank without any actual wartime experience. Ah, uh, he just uh, he just carried the the king's favor. The king of Norway really likes him, and he was promoted. Oh. Oh, fair enough. Sir Niels Olav um, was an incredibly well-respected member of the Norwegian military. Um, it's actually quite interesting because he's not actually from Norway. No. He's based in Scotland. Yes, he is. Yes. And I have actually been... I might have actually seen him. You've met Sir Niels Olav? I believe I have. Oh, wow. Because I've been to Edinburgh. Yeah. And as part of that trip, we went round to very many sort of like sightseeing places. Yeah. Including the home of Sir Niels Olaf. So while I didn't recognise it at the time, I might have actually met a very high-ranking member of the Norwegian military. But... He was only given that title the year after I went, I believe. So I knew him before he was famous. Was it 2016 he went that? It was then, was it? I went in 2015. Okay. So I knew him before he was famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe I remember seeing this news story come out about him being knighted or brought up into the military. Yeah, he was knighted. Uh, yeah. Thinking, I wonder if I ever, I wonder if I ever saw him. <laughs> Where did you meet him, Scott? Uh, in his home. <laughs> Where's his home? I must admit, it was more of like a, um, like a window type thing. I saw him <laughs> through his window. So stupid, isn't it? So you met him at where? <laughs> was it Edinburgh Zoo, Scott? Yes, yes, it was. So Sir Niels Olaf is in fact a king penguin. Boom, no one saw that come in. <laughs> so yeah, he is um he is a penguin, he has been knighted. He is the colonel and chief of the Norwegian King's Guard and Brigadier General. Wait, he's the chief of the King's Guard. <laughs> Have you seen this? So like when he got uh, originally like knighted and became got his esteemed position he actually you see all the actual official like military men like king's guard all stood there with their like guns and like oh i absolutely saw this video prim and proper uniform as he walks down and he expect he ex- inspects them doesn't he the penguin yeah and the most hilarious part about it is that they've obviously been told you're not allowed to laugh yeah because they all have the stoic face of like, yeah. Kingsguard. As I was about twenty of them in there lined up as this penguin yep. like marches down to to get like knighted himself by the king and like that is one thing that is one thing they definitely do at um, Edinburgh Zoo and definitely something that I did see, which is why I think I might have actually seen Sir Niels Olaf. Um, because I went to see the March of the Penguins. All right. <laughs> Which is a event that they do where the penguins walk along and you can see them. Yeah. 
I need to look back over the um, many pictures that were taken during the course of that day and see if I have a picture. Right, well, now he wears like a little. Um, he wears a ba- He wears his badge on one of his wings. That would have been an incredibly easy spot had it happened before I went. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's a, it's a, it's just a tradition that the Norwegian king picks out his favorite penguin from the bunch uh, and promotes him to brigadier. Really? Yeah, it's been going on for years, and they, they will retire and they will get new penguins in to replace them. But they have to be chosen by the by the king mad. himself. The king does so like this penguins. Is, this, I thought this was some weird, obscure coincidence, but it's not. This is a tradition. It's a tradition, yes. It's thought to have started because of when, if you go back to earlier in the episode, uh, Roald Amundsen brought back some penguins when he went to the Antart- Antarctica. And this, this spurred an uh, spurred interest in penguins within Norway and the Norwegian royal family itself, and then eventually a penguin being promoted to chief of the king's guard and now it just it just happens. Um, one one penguin retires, and we find a new penguin. But they've got to be a certain type of penguin, you know. They've got to be out there and personable and <laughs> up for inspecting the king's guard himself as he he walks down as they all line up for him. Uh, I don't. I don't even have words. <laughs> <laughs> We finally found a happy story, Scott. Oh, I don't know. That's just made me lose all faith in humanity. <laughs> Do you not like it? It's. It was. Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? 